0: From the Carter Subaru
1: Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G.
2: Scott and Ursula Royte. Welcome to the third hour of the G and Ursula show on this fresh Friday. G, Scott is out today. Mike Lewis is in. It's been a lot of fun, Mike, last couple of days.
0: It's been fantastic.
2: Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Coming up at 1130, we are going to have a guest. We're going to have Jack Stein from our noon to three show join us. And one of the things we're going to ask him about and we're going to debate is whether it is time to get rid of of legacy admissions, and then we're going to have probably a very spirited debate about burgers because Mike and I were debating off-air which one is better, In-N-Out Burger. There's
0: not really much of a debate.
2: Uh, no, there was a debate.
0: <laughs> not because
2: really. I'm right because five guys are In-N-Out Burger. That's what we came, it came down to. For, well, before, for we us, them, before we tell
0: them what, what side we come down on, yes. though, I think I hinted my side already. Um, why don't we ask on the text line?
2: Yes, if you wanna, if you
0: have tried both. Um, and obviously, there's going to be a full verification process. If you have tried both, let us know which of the two you prefer, Five Guys or in and out
2: Or if, if neither or if is the a- answer and you have one that you say is at the very top of the list, tell us what that is. 888-973-5476. And with that, we're going to start our Agree to Disagree, brought to you by Guardian Roofing and Gutters. One of these days,
1: we just got to take off the gloves. Just really go at it. One of these days, I should probably change that intro. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) because we've been doing that for like two and a half years. (laughs) All right, today is a cutoff day in the legislature for most bills. So if a bill does not advance as of today, it is likely dead. Uh, And labor advocates did flock to Olympia yesterday, urging the legislature to pass a bill which would allow workers on strike to access unemployment benefits. Uh, The workers, they say, hey, look, if we're part of a new union, we don't have access to a strike fund. We don't have the ability to strike, even though we're supposed to be able to collectively bargain and strike by law. Opponents, of course, say that why would we devote public dollars to striking workers who are not on the job? Uh, Ursula, I've asked you before on this, so why don't you just lay your position out on this before I ask Mike to respond?
2: Well, my position is that why Should taxpayer dollars be given to um, folks who are choosing uh, and making a decision to go on strike? And while I am sympathetic to the idea that you cannot be on strike and uh, not feel the financial pinch, uh, I also think that maybe the union to which you pay dues should do a better job of helping You support you when you do go on these uh, labor strikes. The other thing, and you just handed me a story, and I was looking for the cost of what it would be if we passed legislation like this, and uh, they made a. an example, and said, if 30,000 workers went on strike, which would be like Boeing employees, for example, in the machinist union, if each person got the maximum unemployment benefit of about $1,000 each week for four weeks, the state's fund would have to pay out $122 million. So that would be my other argument. I think just cost-wise, it would be cost prohibitive.
0: So... um I, I'm a little bit uh, – I, I really feel like I need to know more about this before I could make a, make a p- position on it. Uh, generally speaking, uh, there's a lot of stuff that is not clear in the law. For example, who is actually eligible for this and which unions could actually tap into this money. If you are a union that has a strike fund, when I was – when I went on strike, when I was a part of the newspaper guild uh, here in Seattle, <laughs> and I went on strike like my fifth month after moving to Seattle. Lovely. I was literally still on on probation from, from hiring probation. They had a six-month period where they could fire you for cause or fire you for any reason, yet I joined the union right away, and yet I went on strike because we went on this uh, uh, strike in in way back in 2000. We had a strike fund. You got a nominal amount of money that was not enough to meet rent, but helped out a tiny, tiny bit, and unions frequently, the big labor unions all have strike funds. However, if you make a publicly <laughs> funded uh, bank available to union to one union, you probably have to make it available to all of them. And are these big unions that have a strike fund going to the first tap public money before they tap their own? I, I don't know. My guess is that they'd see the money available and they'd go for it. And I'm also kind of curious, well, which union members aren't eligible for this? I mean, is it professional athletes who are in a union? Could they also, you know, if they go on strike? And we've seen strikes among every major professional sports union, except I think Major League Soccer, uh, over the last Thirty years, and so there's some specifics that don't seem to be very clear. But generally speaking, if you go on strike, you have there are states that do do this that do have a couple couple of states. Yeah, that 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 will provide some money for that. On the natural, I'm not sure how I'm. At this point, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Honestly,
2: well, that's a legitimate that's
0: honest. answer.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know what? Uh, I I would support it with a caveat. Uh, the caveat being that uh, your union has to use up their strike funds before they access public dollars, and then I would be in full throated hundred percent support of this. And I mean, Ursula, I completely un- understand the argument. Why would you use public money? You know, to pay, give a paycheck to a worker who's striking. The simple fact is that it becomes eventually a benefit for all of us. The single biggest influence on American wages over the last century has been pressure. From workers who are unionized and strike on their employers, if we've, we talk every day on this show about raising worker wages and If you are in a union adjacent industry, you know that wor- that union wages have a direct impact on your salary, if not today, when a union gets a new contract, it will the next year. Uh, and I think that there would be no better way to to raise wages across the state. I mean, just look at what 's happening with starbucks right it 's been over two years since hundreds of stores have unionized, and Starbucks has yet to begin negotiating with those workers. If we have no mechanism in this state or in this country through the National Labor Relations Board to be able to force companies to the table, we have tens of thousands of workers in this state who would probably love to strike and could get a raise if there was some penalty on their company, but either A, they don't have access to unemployment insurance or a strike fund because they're a relatively new or small union, and B, because the companies know they don't have to take those threats seriously. If we refuse to bargain in good faith, no con- Consequences. What's the point? A good way to
0: figure out where maybe your sensibilities lie on this one it occurs to me is just to go look at the, who's spending money lobbying against this uh, in Olympia. And my guess is that Businesses. Amazon probably is, mm-hmm. and other companies because they don't. They know that the economic pressure is is primarily their leverage. And you take away some of that le- economic pressure by giving people, you know, you make them not even whole, but you at least allow them to survive a little longer on strike. Um, that takes that's transfer that pressure back to the businesses themselves no matter how you feel about unions it's going to be pretty clear what side business is going to come down on on this particular thing even though it's ostensibly public money it takes away the pressure
1: that they would need to sort of fight union efforts yeah, yeah. I mean
2: it's Republicans and business groups although some Democrats join Republicans uh, I believe well there are a number
1: of Democratic House. lawmakers yes. who yes. Uh, also own businesses that would likely sure. be impacted sure. by that and I think it's going to be tough slating for this to pass at all this year <laughs> all right moving on down to Ridgefield Washington Ridgefield Washington any of you ever been there heard of it I had not before yesterday, and I have lived in Washington state for 40 years of my life, but uh, it is big news because they're going to be potentially getting the first in and out burger in our state. So, where, it's for, for our listeners, yes, I looked it up too. It's, yes, about 12, 14 miles north of Vancouver. It is between Battleground and the Columbia River uh, down in Clark County. Uh, fun fact fastest growing in, city in the state. Their population has doubled from about 5,000 to 10,000 since 2010. But, uh, Mike, of course, this brings up the question of whether In N Out is an overrated chain and whether In N Out smokes five guys. So, um,
0: first, uh, every fast food chain that ends up as a social media darling is inherently overrated. There's way too many people weighing in, and then they get more and more passionate to the point where they're, you know, they like In N Out Burgers now is going to be the cure for cancer. Like the, the, the point about In N Out Burgers is they actually were an exceptionally good, I think, from a California standpoint. The, back when I was a kid, the big battle in LA was Tommy's and In N Out. That was the big, big, like, who makes the better burger? And then In N Out sort of, essentially won that competition from just from size. I mean In-N-Out started creeping up the valley, finally made it to my town, I think after I moved to the Bay Area, and it's been sort of following me north since. I'd like to think that I am the lodestar for them. The the difference between an in out burger and a Five Guys burger I think is pretty Vast. I think In-N-Out Burger is. I wouldn't say that it's the glory that everyone like what, says what, they are. What sets it It's it a much, much better burger, I think, Why? than a Five Guys burger.
2: Why? What? What is it? Because I, I, I think of it as a standard burger that I could probably make. Is it the sauce? I mean, what, what is it that makes it exceptional? I
0: think mean, they always taste really fresh. I think I like the quality of the bun that they use. I like the grilled onions. Um, I think that they. I think the In-N-Out. The thing I like about In-N-Out Burger and Five Guys kind of. I mean, what they did was copy the model, right? Limited menu, limited options, you know, a few secret off the menu things that you can ask them to do. I mean, they kind of essentially wedged in and out, copied in and out, slightly worse, and then made a chain based on it. I mean, they're more power to them, but. I don't know. The Five Guys Burgers are fine. in and out Burgers are fine. I don't think anyone i go to sleep dreaming about.
2: I know. in and out Burgers, it's always the first... Whenever we're in California and when my son was going to UCLA, it would always be the first place that when we would visit, it would be the first place our sons would want to go. My youngest son, especially. Because he also knew animal style. You know, this whole... Yeah, yeah. Th- this oh, whole fried in mustard with grilled onions, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, uh, the Five Guys just it, it tastes infinitely better. I think the, the meat quality is Better, it just is a juicier burger, uh, and then I think probably I'm swayed by the fries. In and Out's fries are just they're subpar, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I don't even five remember guys,
2: the, and and as G likes to call them, the the just a bag full of blessings and extra blessings. I mean, they're very generous with their hand cut fries, and I think that makes all the. Can I just tell you though, I'm taking a look at our text line right now. Mm-hmm. This topic about In n Out Burger and what makes the best. <laughs> Take a look at it. It's and going who,
1: nuts. It's going like a it? slot machine. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> the text uh, coming in right now. Uh yes, exactly. Keep your hands um, on
1: the wheels, folks. Yes. Stop this. Stop it now. <laughs>
2: oh, and, everyone's all over the place. A bunch of people saying five guys overrated, A bunch of people saying In N Out's overrated. So
1: See, I have to go with uh, I have to go with five guys for the fries, In and Out for the burgers. Uh In N Out has terrible, terrible fries. They cut them fresh, um, but they don't do like the the double cooking where they blanch them. I don't yeah. believe. So they come out like this pale blonde, and they're super cra- they're, like oh. they're almost cardboardy. Yes,
2: they are. They're like paper-y. they're
1: basically like blonde cardboard. They're bad in exactly the opposite way that Dicks fries are bad because Dicks fries are like limp and greasy, but In and Out uh, fries are just like cardboard and tasteless, and they never have <laughs> enough salt on them. But the burger is impeccably fresh. Everything's like cut and. Made to order, it is stupendous quality. The shakes are fantastic, and I don't know. Five Guys is actually like too much meat on the burger for there me. There
2: is a lot of meat, the right? So if Bond you Ray like something for-
1: where you squeeze the burger and it starts like dripping juice down to your yes. elbow, <laughs> if that's the kind of burger that you enjoy, I completely go with uh, with Five Guys. Uh, also, the aesthetic of an In and Out I find to be much much more pleasing than the Five Guys burger. Personally, the presentation, the presentation, <laughs> absolutely. Right
2: now, it's gonna take us a few minutes to go guys- through all your. Text the five guys neither have you, ve-
1: veggie burgers? Okay, the, when great you point.
0: do five guys, does five guys?
1: It seems like I mostly
0: see storefront. Do they have drive through? I assume they have drive through in places, right? I don't. They, I have I've never seen, seen one. Maybe no. they don't because they're, In and yeah. Out they're famous for offering yes. you a mat for your lap yes. as well yes. when you when yes. you do the drive
1: through. Exactly. It may, you know what? That's probably the aesthetic that I'm responding to because Five Guys <laughs> is always in a strip
2: mall, whereas <laughs> like In and Out that's is a standalone yeah. location. And then Red Mill's coming in for the win. You
1: know, if we're going local, Red Mill is my number. One. I completely time. like the very weak, there we, there <laughs> yes. we, there we, we go. Have, yes. To your point earlier about compromise, yes. Redmill. Redmill is absolutely fantastic. Okay, do you ever bring a story to the radio, Ursula, that is um, so questionable to the point of embarrassing, but it brings up an interesting question? Uh, or is that only me?
2: No, that, I think we've all done that. Okay.
1: <laughs> From the fine folks at Sinclair this morning, they are reporting on a survey conducted by Wealth of Geeks. Uh, To be honest, I have no idea who these people are.
2: That's part of the problem, though. These surveys?
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh Like Nerd Wallet, by Uh another name. Uh, Yeah, Wallet Hub, right. (laughs) Wallet Hub, whatever. This survey (laughs) claims that Washington State has the seventh sexiest police uniform in the nation. Uh, State police, that is. Um, Texas is number one because of the Lone Star style with the cowboy hat, you know, the swagger of a rodeo champion with the solemn duty of a ranger. And if you look at the photo gallery of this, of course, it is like uh, uh, sweaty, muscled men in police uniforms, kind of like the sexy firefighter calendars. And Ursula, it it, it struck me as objectification. Just as a feminist, a professed feminist, I can call out the other side of the coin. Do you think there's a problem that we have when it comes to objectifying men in this country and acceptance thereof?
2: I will say that I have been guilty of saying a few things that I know would raise eyebrows uh, if it were if we were talking about women and and whether it is, oh, my gosh, you know, I love men in uniform or I, you know, whatever it is that 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 the professional um, athlete whose body is commented on such and such is hot. And and I get a pass and yet if if a guy were to say the same thing, I know that they would be looked at by many as, like oh dude, that's gross, you know, or or that is objectifying women or that's just really uh, sexist or, or, or whatever. And I'm trying to do better. I, I guess I should say. But I loved your answer, Are you Mike. trying to
0: choose better or do I, I, better?
2: <laughs> oh, I, cho- I chose very, very well <laughs> when it comes All to right. love. you hear the tone of voice change? This yes. is what we're talking about, Ursula. I think you have a problem. <laughs> Wait,
0: but, she dropped in the sexy
2: tone of voice. You heard I know, that, did I know, but, <laughs> yes. but, but uh, you know what I'm saying. I mean, whether it's the the hot firefighter calendar or oh men and you are talking about, about their
0: let's not forget who delivers the packages the ups calendar as well
2: <laughs> <There> you... <laughs> Just, don't even get me on packages so the question Speaking was, of, <laughs> but I loved your answer when we were talking about it this morning because then you're like nope I, I loved it Mike so
0: I don't so for me I mean one of the things you have to look at one of the reasons that this even became an issue is you have to look at kind of get the power structure I mean men have you know and being part of that tribe men have been objectifying women for i don't know maybe the last 10,000 years or so and this whole recent turn like wait a minute you say we can't do it you like look at the power structure today look at what women have to deal with just mm-hmm. from from being a newscaster from being an actor from all of the yes. things like 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 when the response to the objectification was a response to this radical power imbalance that still exists. So, thank you for saying. That. I mean, like, I remember getting in. I won't say what name, but I remember getting in an argument with a with another show host here at uh, Cairo a few years ago about about why is it okay for poor people to make fun of rich people, but rich people can't make fun of poor people? I'm <laughs> like, you just the difference between punching down and punching up. Like, do you go to a kids baseball game and and you know Start. rail home runs because <laughs> because you can? Like, it seems it seems to me like the the like. I get it, and I appreciate speaking for men across the nation. we appreciate your apology, Ursula for for your <laughs> I'm objectification and you're trying to do better. you're sort of trying to do better. you're not really trying to do better and so and so I don't know this sort of thing the sexy police uniform thing is is should be considered only one thing at all.
1: Clickbait. And beyond
0: that, it's not really worth a discussion.
1: See, I was, I was like trying to imagine uh, what the opposite scenario would be like. Would a national news outlet publish a, a photo set of like the states with the sexiest nurses? Of course not. The states with the sexiest female politicians, of course not. And Mike, I, I think you're right that objectification uh, becomes a problem. When it is the sole defining characteristic totally, totally. Uh, of who you are objectifying. And you know what I will say? There is one category where I think that this is an issue. And that is with professional sports. Because like, as a guy, it's it's taboo for me to like comment on a female athlete's body. And I agree it should be. But when it comes to male athletes, what do we view them as more than? If it's just their athletic ability and for some people to their sensibilities, Their physical appearance. We look at them as a piece of meat who happens to run down a field and, you know, throw a ball around. So I don't know. I think there's a little bit of a double standard there.
2: and I would agree. I
1: you guess I do. guess it's not a double standard that I
0: am. There are We're double standards about. that concern me and double standards that do not Mike, yes. do you think we bring me. up serious issues during this segment?
2: <laughs> we do. No. We have a good combination. I think we have a we, not, Yeah. Yes.
0: I think striking workers is a serious issue. Okay. I think sexy police uniforms <laughs> may not actually get there. I don't know. And Correct me.
2: The <laughs> listeners who, who follow our show every single day, two of them back to back said the same thing that I have a strong appreciation for packages and nuggets. There you go. Look at this on our, our text line, back to back. Um, the other thing is, uh, two R three says, real men love to be ejectified. That is why it's okay for <laughs> Some women might say the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to get out of this segment before I get into trouble. Okay, we've got Jack Stein joining us next and we're going to talk about a bunch of things including legacy admissions. Is it time to end it everywhere? This is the GNR Sla show. show. It is a Fresh Friday. Gia's out. Mike Lewis is in, and as you know, if you were a regular listener of our show, you know that we often talk about college admissions, and it always ends up being a very spirited debate. So let's do it again on this Fresh Friday. This time, we've invited Jack Stein from the Jack and Spike Show to join in our conversation. Good morning. Good morning to one and all. I'm so excited to see Mike Lewis. Yeah, you know what? I'm You're excited the second, to see Mike Lewis. As second well. day in a row, someone has come <laughs> into studio, and they're all. You know, Gaga over Mike Lewis. Well,
0: it's because we rarely get to see him. Can we go? Can we, can we just address your tone of voice in the delivery of that entire, <laughs> that entire thing? Like I'm jealous. It, I don't get it, it that kind sounded, of appreciation. You, you didn't sound jealous. You sounded perplexed. Like, <laughs> I have to sit next to the guy. I have no idea why somebody <laughs> no, would be happy to see him. No,
2: no, no. For those you don't know, yesterday we had a, a guest, and, and he had asked, is Mike Lewis really as cool as he sounds on the radio? And both Chef and I said yes, yep. and we invited him in studio. Now, first thing out of Jack's mouth is, it's, I, I'm, it's such a pleasure. And the funny thing is,
0: the way our microphones are aligned, I can't actually see. Yeah, I can't the, make move eye over There, I, Now we can actually make I eye I love contact. it. So
2: the, the, there's a, a mutual admiration here. But uh, let's talk about legacy admissions because in, in your home state of California, yes. the practice of giving preference to students whose families give big bucks to these schools yeah. may be coming to an end at private universities. Your and thoughts?
3: I, yeah, I think that that's amazing because in where I. I'm from is from the Bay Area, same as uh, Mike Lewis, with San Jose, Santa Cruz, San Francisco. These institutions that are in these places are notorious for having Stanford, Santa Clara, uh, even my alma mater, uh, University of California, Santa Cruz, notorious for having these legacy admissions programs, which is basically, when you boil it down, is pay to play. (laughs) Where if your mom or dad or your grandparents, in some cases, give enough money... You can get into this college by not meeting the requirements that others, you know what I mean? It's, it is It is a really perverse system. I understand why they do it, and I understand why they, you know, to incentivize, hey, maybe your kid is not exactly an A student, maybe do a little bit of the old donation, and then you can get a legacy admission. But it's an unfair practice, particularly if you look at the stats. So between 2014 and 2019, Harvard University uh, accepted legacy students at a rate of about 33%. Now, that doesn't sound like very much but their their average rate is about 6%. Uh-huh. So
2: exactly.
3: if you think about the disparity between those two numbers, if it was 8%, I might not be so have such strong feelings about it, but that is 5 times more than other students who could have potentially gone to Harvard or any of these other institutions.
2: Well, it's also important to note that the Supreme Court has struck down affirmative action.
3: Right. So which was in part pushing
0: back exactly. on on legal legacy admissions right? right which was which was you know kind of counterintuitive i know in california the law that's being discussed is to prevent legacy admissions in private universities. public universities there have mostly gotten rid of it in a, in a weird way the private universities still have a component like they take so they what I would do is maybe something a little different than forbidding legacy stuff, although I kind of agree that they should go that they should go away. But these private universities also use a lot of public money. Lots of research grants, Cal grants, all kinds of stuff. All you'd have to do is say, you know, no more public money for institutions that provide legacy benefits. Watch them on their own <laughs> change radically on who they're admitting and who they don't admit. Make it simple. That's what you could do.
2: Well... It I love this idea, frankly, because if you do look at the statistics, I mean, and in, in, in bottom line, they talk about, OK, well, we we don't want people to just get in because they're going to, to help with our diversity. But yet uh, uh, many of those same people want to get in because merely because I have a lot of money. I went to this school and I want my kid to be in this school. Um, and. Just because you can afford to have your name on the building of, you know, the, the swimming complex, I'm thinking of someone very specifically.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and we know from the, yes. U, the USC scandal. Yeah, that's exactly, you know. yes. Right, it,
2: right. It, exactly. Although, although
0: I got to say, I provide some exceptions. If you're going to build the school a new library... I think your entire family should be able to go to that school. Seriously? I don't I don't ca- well that's such a rare thing, right? That's like that is not a measurable percentage. But if you're if you just attended the school, remember the fa- the famous line from George Bush about George Bush senior and junior, they he was a leg he admitted. He was a legacy beneficiary of going to Yale because his dad had gone to Yale. I think his dad played baseball at Yale. He said, "You know, this is evidence that even a C student can become president." And everyone, <laughs> and he said this is in a speech to the graduates, and it was a funny line. Like it was not, and I don't actually have a problem with a C student as long as the person's a good person and a smart person. And hires good people. I don't mind a C student being president. But this was the thing. He got in on a legacy at Yale, which which has the percentages similar to the Harvard percentages we were talking about earlier. I mean, I think that the whole legacy thing is completely insane. Because what it does is it says, all right, people of privilege, in order to bolster your privilege, we are going to make sure that we are backfilling with people who privileged people produced. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, not necessarily so, you know.
1: the case. That's not necessarily the case. I mean, so... I could actually see uh, a situation where legacy admissions could be a benefit, at least here locally. And I'm thinking about the University of Washington, right? Uh, So let's see, three generations of my family have gone to the University of Washington. Nobody in my family has ever made any significant amount of money, right? But the fourth generation, my son, will have an incredibly difficult time getting into the University of Washington and that's true for a lot of other families here in, in western Washington where mom went to U-Dub, dad went to UW, dub maybe grandpa went to U-Dub but because it is so difficult for people to get in anymore the likelihood of a lot of local Kids having the ability to go there is basically non existent. So, could you make a case for, you know what, this is actually a way where we can get more local kids into the school? I don't know.
2: Well, I'm that's probably tell you the why only pushback I, don't think I can, I can gonna, give you. That's going to help your son. Yeah. Because, I didn't you, go. No, because you, because you meant no, no, because you mentioned that you don't have a, a significant amount of money. The legacies that they really appreciate are the ones that come with a big fat paycheck.
3: Can I give you guys a quick example? <laughs> yeah, you know when what I'm I, saying. I mean, I was... it's like
2: if you have a big bank account, that might be easier
3: when i was flying back from california as i as i'm getting back onto my plane i'm noticing that every seat in first class is a, a mom or a dad next to their kid every single one mom and she's wearing the stanford hoodie daughter's wearing the stanford hoodie all the kids were looked like they were about juniors in high school and i realized oh it's it's that time of year where juniors start flying around seeing what oh, colleges yes. they this want is to apply exactly to the time right now yes. and i thought that there was is kind of a uh, Poetically ironic that everybody in first class was wearing Santa Clara, Stanford, uh, USC shirts yeah, in, in tandem to let everybody know, oh, yeah, this is where we're going. This is where we're going. You know, that's entirely why I think I said this before on air, because you see so many of those
0: hoodies in here in in Seattle. A lot of very, very well-educated, overeducated folks in Seattle, which is what prompted me to go back when I went back home. First thing I did was buy a Modesto Junior College hoodie, which I, I wear hoodies all do the they, time. Do they have a hoodie? Just Modesto, who doesn't have a hoodie? They all have hoodies. They all have hoodies. <laughs> Everyone wears hoodies. I love so it. I, I for wear you. my Modesto Junior College hoodie proudly. proudly. I did attend school there. To the extent I actually walked into a classroom, I attended school at Modesto Junior College.
2: I love it. Jack Stein, Jack and Spike Legacy, Show. <laughs> Noon to three. Thank you.
3: Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you coming in. Thank I, you thanks so much. It.
2: Okay, we hear you and our words to live by coming up next. And just like that, we are at the end of the G and Ursula show, our Fresh Friday edition. And Mike, thank you again for stepping in. It was it
0: was fantastic. And and I'm very much looking forward to whatever the poll shows on the five guys versus in and out.
2: Okay, I want to see who is right on this one. Okay, so I want to start off because this is random listener feedback actually targeted at me. And it's from Nuzzy in Portland, uh, Port Orchard, rather. And uh, he says, I wish just once that Ursula would say, well, we've got a slow news day for you versus we have a packed show for you every single time. The day I tell you we have a new slow news day is the day I retire.
0: Not much of a show today, folks. Why don't you spend your time doing something else? We'll just be here by ourselves. We're mailing it in today. All right. From you now need to make 72 percent more to a photo home compared to 2020 uh, or which is about $200,000 from Nikki. That amount is way beyond ridiculous. Who has that in today's economy to throw down on a home I barely have enough to throw down a payment for my home back in 2016? It is so astronomical.
2: And then Brenton Belfair says, at what point does population control in terms of quantity become part of the housing conversation? I'm sure that's going to
0: be a, a Netflix sci-fi series. You, um,
2: you brought up a term, though, that you, you taught us all something new or many of us something new. Yeah, a, I'm going to have from- to look that back in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> something about renters On and the, some kind of tax.
0: <laughs> uh, the Seattle City Attorney weighing charges for city council protesters. 509 isn't can arrest the same as stopping their free speech so it might as well carry through to a charge for trespassing or failure to disperse because arresting with no intent to charge is interfering with free speech.
2: Except when does free speech go beyond what is allowable? The question
0: of the
1: ages,
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, on the topic of sexy police uniforms and the gross objectification of men. <laughs> Why did you she- say that skeptically? <laughs> I wanted no, no, no. I wanted to make sure. Like I said, I called myself See, out it's on that. That's a tone of voice thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Jeff, and, I'm, I'm a master at that one. <laughs> Jeff and Bonnie Lake says Mike is wrong just because there is a power imbalance doesn't mean objectification is okay from any gender.
0: Mike is comfortably wrong. Liz in Gig Harbor, I like seeing tight ends on the football field.
2: I answered, Liz, uh, we'll keep it between ourselves. Diane in Seattle says, my postal carrier is hot. He wears shorts no matter what the temperature is. Oh my gosh! And he has very nice legs. Diane is writing this. I'll put him up against your hot policeman, and he'll win hands down. <laughs> I'll put him okay up against now. your hot
0: policeman, um, <laughs> Rob the retired the retired up. This is my favorite text of the day. Rob, by the way, yes,
2: is okay. He's a retired police officer. He yeah. lives in Tennessee and listens to us. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, that sexy cop uniform story made me think about the time my partner and I responded to a house for a noise complaint. Turned out to be a bachelorette party, and they thought we were the male strippers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we had
0: fun on that call. I certainly hope you guys took them up on that offer.
2: <laughs> okay. It's Max Toll Day on 405 and 167. And Lynn Enoqua and says, I travel 167 in the morning. It just doesn't ever occur to me to use the carpool lane. Just so expensive, it seems silly. Now the five twenty toll potentially expanding to increase that to extended zones—that just breaks the trust. It seems deceptive.
0: Can I, can I uh, ask for one thing? Shouldn't Chris Sullivan have an alter ego named Max Toll? Yes. There you go. Good. That's something we need to work Casting on. From Joe in the 253, I'm just going to remove my license plates. <laughs> they don't have to worry about photo enforcement.
2: Yikes. On Comic-Con, a bunch of people told me, you should really try it. Lynn and Ian Claw says, Comic-Con is so worth it just to look at the costumes and enjoy the people. Ursula, you would really enjoy it.
0: From Cindy, and, this is on putting your party preference on the outside of your primary ballot. From Cindy and, Cindy and Puyallup. I think that this adds fuel to the fire for those who are conspiracy theorists. The idea that we have to declare on the outside of an envelope makes people think their vote will just be thrown away, proving Donald Trump's theory that the election can be stolen.
2: And then Cliff says, yes, this primary voting is very troubling. First, my wife is not allowed to vote because she's a registered independent. Second, I had to mark Republican on the outside of my ballot envelope. What is my mail carrier accidentally? What if? My mail carrier accidentally loses my ballot because they're avidly Democrat. This is really wrong. I want to just mention, we are going to get Secretary of State Steve Hobbs on. He doesn't know it yet, but we're going to try to get him on next week. Next
0: week to talk about this. That's a great idea. From 206, my husband and I did exactly what Mike suggested. We voted for Nikki Haley to send a message. We are absolutely Democrats and would be embarrassed if someone sees the outside of
2: our envelopes. (laughs) <laughs> so there you go. So and, yeah, we need an explanation. And what are the results of the poll, Chef? Oh, the burger poll? Yes. The
1: unofficial tally has in and out definitely beating ah, five guys. See? Ursula. I was wrong. Sorry, Ursula. See? Okay,
2: speak. Look at the look at the tone. Unofficial. Look
1: at the tone. going <laughs> 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 it get turned on us so, now?
2: It's, it's almost gleeful.
1: Mike might have. It is kind of gleeful. Offered to bribe me. Uh, yeah, you might have.
2: <laughs> I need to see the results on that one. Okay, our words to live by, brought to you by Wilcox Farms, and this is a quote from D. Watts Jones, and it was inspired by our conversation about. The guy who was asking whether he, the, the on the will yes. question from scenarios yeah, yeah. to sustain love, and I will say to sustain peace, we have to learn how to negotiate differences of all kinds, and to speak to each other in ways that allow us to be heard, and that also allow us to be received. And it's something we try to do on the show. Don't always accomplish it, but it's something we try on the show.
0: In within limited time frames <laughs> and around the commercials. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. Mike, thank you again. Have a fantastic weekend. Jeff, as always, great job. And Nick. Well, another day, another break ahead before we're back. But we didn't leave without ideas for fun with extra slack. Thanks to Super Comic Pro Professor Paul
1: and his new plans for a date with superheroes, joystick champs, and all the fans who can all agree their passion and their costumes meet the theme, except for skimpy cop outfits that only come from wild dreams. <laughs> And if you're craving food to go at In-N-Out or Five Guys, don't be surprised if Ursula asks for extra nuggets and fries. (laughs) Emphasis on the nuggets. (laughs) I don't even know
2: if they serve them. Yeah. You know what? You're going to have to listen. (laughs) They're just not on the menu. (laughs) Y'all are going to have to just... People who don't listen regularly. So, for example, someone asked, well, what's the deal with long live Mark. And yeah, you almost have to listen to the show on a daily basis to understand some of these things. Long so live that's Mark. on them. Listen yes, to the show exactly. on a daily basis. Keep listening. But long live Mark. The long live part becomes, uh, it, it comes from G, who always comes up with a nickname, but he added long live because I was singing Mark's praises and I think he got so exasperated. He's like, long live Mark.
0: <laughs> I like and it. And that
2: was born. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Jack and Spike show is coming up next Stay safe everybody. Hope you have as much fun as we have. So long everybody.